to try to investigate with reason the things that have been understood through convention, in other words, the things which prophets have explained, is like forcing a loaded cart to go uphill while it can hardly move on a level road. If the horse is whipped uphill, it will either fall down or die from fatigue. Or, in order to get on the level road it has been used to, it will turn right or turn left, overturning the cart and spoiling its load. So, if reason is forced to solve the reality of the next world, which it cannot cope with or comprehend, the person will either go out of his mind or, by attempting to liken it to worldly affairs, which he's accustomed to, will go wrong, become deceived, and deceive others. Reason is a gauge, a tool used to measure things that are like those which can be perceived or felt through the senses, or things that are relative to them. Reason can compare them with one another and distinguish the good ones from the bad ones. Since it cannot discern things that have no relation with such things, it will be overwhelmed by them. Then there is no other choice but to believe the things communicated by prophets without consulting reason. It is understood that following prophets is a necessity indicated by reason. It is a way which is agreeable with reason. It is an action contrary to reason to attempt to consult reason about a prophet's statements, which are beyond and above reason. It is like walking heedlessly at unfamiliar places in the pitch darkness of the night, or the sailing of an inexperienced captain in the open sea without a compass on a dark night. They can at any moment fall into an abyss or whirlpool. As a matter of fact, philosophers and materialists who attempt to explain facts through their imagination have gone wrong in most of the things that were beyond their logic. They were bringing many facts into view, whereas, in fact, they were preventing people from attaining endless bliss. Reasonable ones among them have always been able to understand and communicate this pathetic situation. There are many examples. An article by Professor F. Arndt, a famous German chemist, states in his book, Tekribi Kimya, Experimental Chemistry, which was published in Istanbul in Turkish, the reason why improvements in science and knowledge have been at a standstill for almost 1,500 years is due to a fault in Aristotelianism. In Islam, there are many things that reason cannot comprehend, but there is nothing contrary to reason. If knowledge of the next world, things which Allah Ta'ala likes or dislikes, and forms of worshipping him were within mind's ability to understand, and if they could be ascertained through reason, there would be no need for sending thousands of prophets. People would be able to see and find happiness in this world and in the next by themselves. And in this case, Allah Ta'ala would have sent prophets in vain and unnecessarily. It is because reason cannot find or solve the knowledge pertaining to the next world that Allah Ta'ala sent a prophet to every part of the world in each century. And finally, he sent Hadrat Muhammad as the prophet for the whole world until the end of the world. All prophets, instead of meddling in worldly affairs that are ascertained through reason, only commanded and encouraged their people to work in order to find them and utilize them. And they explained how each worldly affair can lead people to everlasting happiness or perdition. They also explained clearly the things which Allah Ta'ala liked and disliked. Then let us be reasonable. An ignorant person who does not know of today's technical information and experiments, which expose to view the subtleties of Allah's infinite power, and who, let alone reading and understanding the books of Islamic superiors, has not even heard of their names, a fact that can be inferred from his words, and who is an enemy of Islam working under the mask of a philosopher behind the veil of a newspaper writer, how can an idea put forward by such a person with his ever faulty reason ever be held superior to the words of Allah's Prophet? 
How can an ignorant person's words ever blemish our prophet's commands and words, which encompass the knowledge of health, science, morals, justice, and all branches of happiness that are written in our books, and which are respected and admired by men of knowledge, experience, and science that have come from all parts of the world for the last 1,400 years, and in which no other, no one has ever been able to find any fault or defect? Can there be another case of wretchedness and misery more pathetic than this? The perfect wisdom is the wisdom that doesn't go wrong and doesn't make any mistakes. Can an ignoramus who bandies his thoughts about claim that he never goes wrong, not only in affairs that mind cannot comprehend or grasp, but perhaps even in his own daily affairs? Who will ever believe such a claim? Let alone a single person, today's supposedly most intelligent Christians come together and elect the wisest ones among them, and these people pass laws by using all their brains and knowledge. Then, expecting certain results, the same people grow dissatisfied and have to change their own laws. There is one thing on earth that is never defiled and which cannot be changed. That is the Quran al-Kareem of Allah Ta'ala and the Hadithi Sharifs of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his blessed utterances and explanations of the Quran. A man of science who has thoroughly comprehended the rules of Islam and who has observed the short history of the scientific branches that form a basis for today's civilization will clearly see that in the course of history no technical achievement, no scientific fact has ever stood against Islam, but all have always been compatible with it. How can they be at odds while it is Islam which commands us to observe nature, to study matter and energy, and to rely on reason in everything? Allah Ta'ala declares at many places of the Qur'an al-Karim, Take lessons from your predecessors by observing their lives, the path they chose, and what happened to them. Observe the earth, the skies, the living, the lifeless, and yourselves. Study the inner nature, the essence of what you see. Find and see. Understand my greatness and the dominion which I have over all these. Allah Ta'ala has related iman, belief, which is the basis of Islam, to experimentation and the intellect. That is, the building of Islam has been erected upon these two principles. All other worships, blessings, and forms of obedience that are the branches and twigs of this tree of Iman. Allah Ta'ala at many places of the Quran al-Karim scolds and disgraces disbelievers because they didn't use their minds. They didn't think by observing the earth, the skies, and themselves so that they could have or could obtain Iman. The book Marifatama writes, Sayyid Sharif Jurjani, a great Islamic scholar, says, that the knowledge of astronomy helps a wise and reasonable person to realize the existence of Allah Ta'ala. Imam Ghazali says that he who does not know astronomy and anatomy cannot realize Allah Ta'ala's existence and power. Yes, the righteous religion of Hadrat Isa salam, Jesus was changed insidiously in a short time by his enemies. A Jew named Paul, actually Saul, who converted his name to Paul, claimed that he believed Isa and tried to make it appear as if he was spreading the religion of Isa Islam. However, he annihilated the Injil, or the gospel that was uh, descended from heaven to Isa Islam. Later, four people appeared. They put in writing what they had heard from the Twelve Apostles. Thus, four books in the name of the Bible were compiled, but the lives of Paul were also inserted into them. In addition, although an apostle named Barnabas correctly recorded what he had heard and seen from Hadrat Isa Islam, this Bible by Barnabas was also destroyed. In the course of time, the number of Injils increased and concocted, and different Bibles were read at different places. Constantine the Great, formerly a pagan, accepted Christianity, and after enlarging and improving the city, he gave it the name Constantinople, today's Istanbul. In the year 325 AD, 
he convened 319 priests in Nicaea, ordered all the Bibles to be united and a new Bible to be written, having many articles of paganism from his former religion inserted into it. Accepting Christmas Day as the beginning of the year, he established a new Christian religion. It had been declared in the Injil, that is the real gospel of Hadrat Isa, salam, and in the Bible written by Barnabas that Allah is one. Yet because they did not have the original Injil, the dogma of the Trinity put forward by Plato, whom they esteemed as a philosopher, was integrated into these four defiled books. Constantine had this idea of Trinity put into the new Bible together with a number of fables. A priest named Arius said that this new Bible was wrong, that Allah is one, that Hadra Isa was not the son of Allah, but his born slave. Yet they wouldn't listen to him, they excommunicated him. Arius fled to Egypt and spread the Tawheed or unity of Allah there, but he was eventually killed. The kings succeeding Constantine veered between Arius's sect and the new Christianity. In Istanbul, the second and the third, in Ephesus, which is between Izmir and Aydin, the fourth and in Kadikoy the fifth, and again in Istanbul the sixth meetings were held, and thus many new Bibles appeared. Eventually, Martin Luther and Calvin made the final changes in 931, or A.D. 1524, and added lies to the truth heard from the Hawaris, or the apostles of Hadrat Isa al-Islam. Christians who believed in this new Bible were called Protestants. Thus, a religion contrary to reason and reality came forth in the name of Christianity. How can the attacks that are rightfully made against Christianity in Europe be deflected towards Islam? Mm -hmm.